Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 425 Show, your place to be for all things real estate and lifestyle related here on the East Side. I'm your host, Nicole Mangina, with Windermere Real Estate. So happy you're here to join us on this beautiful Tuesday morning. We always do a little real estate update in the beginning, and it's you know it's kind of been the same as the last three weeks. It the the market is busy. I conversation I am continually having with people though is about just really digging into the numbers because the headline numbers for a lot of places are all about the sales being down from last year but the percentage of sales is actually up it is true we have fewer listings than last year um, but if you look at the percentage of listings that are selling over last year, it's actually higher. It means the buyers are out there. There's still lots of multiple offers, lots of stuff going on. Um, so if you are thinking about selling, if you've got real estate on the brain, I encourage you to reach out. I am always happy to help. You can find me via email, Nicole at NicoleMangina.com. There you go. So we covered real estate. Check the box. Now let's move on to the lifestyle part of the show. I'm super excited for our guest today. We have Rebecca West who is the author of Happy Starts at Home and the CEO of the interior design company, Seriously Happy Homes. So excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff because you got lots of great things going on. But <laughs> I, you know, obviously we're talking about home and I think uh, aside from it being a real estate show, this is just such a fascinating topic to me right now because we're all living, we're, we're just spending a whole lot more time in our homes, yeah. but we are using our spaces so differently than we ever have before. Um, I've got my little you know, detective hat on and I'm just really curious to see how this all plays out in the next two to five years with, you know, what are buyers looking for when they're looking for homes in terms of the home itself, the layout, the locations, is it going to spark any changes in building? Mm -hmm. um, and you come in because you do all kinds of different things with homeowners. And I was on your website this morning and I just, I love your approach. One of the things you have on there is that you actually have a degree from the University of Washington in community and environmental planning. Mm -hmm. But you come to design not from a love of sofas, but of a desire to create a supportive and nurturing space. Exactly. Yep. To this day, I really don't care if anybody ever buys a new sofa. That's really not the point. A sofa is a tool, you know, a faucet is a tool, a paint color is a tool, all that need to be applied well to give you the outcome you're looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you do apply them well, it's a pretty fun result. It is. Yeah. yeah. I know. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. Kind of how did you get into this? What was the impetus for bringing this all together? Yeah. So like you kind of hinted at, this didn't happen on purpose. I 13. So the background is I have a geology degree. I have a community and environment planning degree from UW, both from UW. I was in the Peace Corps. Um, oh, I grew wow. up in the military. I almost went into the military and um, I spent a little bit of time learning how to ad administer retirement plans. Like I was on a pretty serious path in life. Yeah. Um, I took a quick break, break from being serious to teach ballroom dance for four years, which was marvelous. But then that whole chapter of my life ended abruptly when I got divorced. And I, I had stopped my career of teaching ballroom dance to try and work on my marriage, which didn't pan out. So there I suddenly found myself career and marriage free, living in the house that my husband had moved out of 
that it's not like he had taken all the memories with him. So there I'm sitting in this house that I'm very grateful to have because home ownership is a blessing mm -hmm. um, financially, but I'm staring at all these memories. Like there's the paint color we chose. There's the sofa from his parents. There's the bed we shared. And it felt so, it felt like a prison. Like I was so trapped by all those memories. Like I couldn't move forward. So, you know, not design was not even a glimmer in my eye. I was just trying to figure out my life. But I did decide one day that I couldn't keep living like that. So I started, I got some old paint out of the garage and I repainted um, the ceiling of my vaulted, the vaulted ceilings in my living room black. You painted vaulted ceilings? Yeah, but I didn't just paint them. I painted them black. It was awful. But it was the paint that I had on hand and I just was looking for something different. I was like, I need to change something. And it was such a bad design decision, but it was a really great life decision because it changed the space. Like it physically said, you're not in the same physical, emotional space that you were before you painted this horrible ceiling. And because it was so bad, it kind of gave me this freedom to intentionally change it again. Cause I had to change it. I couldn't keep it the way it was. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, what kind of colors do I want to live in? What would make me feel good? And then it just, it just lit a fire. I started selling all my old furniture on Craigslist and I bought all quote unquote new furniture on Craigslist. Um, like I got rid of the queen bed and I got myself a twin bed. It was a bed for one. So I was like, nobody else is invited into my bedroom. Forget it. Never again. I am remarried. So I did get over that. But at the time I was just like, no, I need to heal. I love it. So that's, that happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, this thing that I've always had a talent for, because I was always good with color. I was the person who decorated my dorm room, but I didn't take it seriously. I thought it was a luxury for rich people. I thought it was interior design was just throw pillows and second and third homes. But when I did this for myself, I went, oh, used well, this can be really, really helpful, emotionally and psychologically helpful. And since I was, as I said, career and marriage free, nothing, not doing anything, I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to start a business. And that was 13 years ago. I had no idea where it would go. I had no expectation that it would be successful. I never planned to do kitchen and bathroom remodel designs. I was only going to do redesign and color. But, you know, the business grows itself up over time. And now my team and I are doing all the, all the things, but it's still rooted in, does your home make you happy? Is your home doing for you what you need it to do for you? And if not, how can we make that? How can we change that? I love it. What a beautiful story. Thanks. <laughs> I'm still trying to picture what vaulted ceilings painted black would look like. It's bad. Well, and it wasn't just that. I also did. So there's already an existing lime green accent wall. Oh. Then I paint, painted the ceilings black. And then I faux finished the back wall in this dark peacock teal like in a washed paint effect uh-huh I mean I was adding insult to injury really every step oh yeah <laughs> but that's what I love about paint it's so non-committal you know like mm -hmm. yeah it's a dramatic change so you can get a lot of bang for your buck but if you go totally wrong and that's not the first time I've gone totally wrong in my house I also had a ketchup and mustard wall for a while that was <clears throat> straight out of McDonald's it was bad <laughs> but it's so easy to paint over it. So like, if you're going to take a risk, go, do it with paint. Do it. Yeah. 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 Easier to do paint than a super expensive high-end like furniture, or, you know, couch. Or tile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Great story. Love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit then about how do you help and work with people now? Because you do, you come at this, I think, from such a great angle. 
um, that is, like you said, so much more than, you know, I feel like furniture is almost like clothes, right? Like, do you have the right couch from the right store, or, you <laughs> right. know, whatever the right aesthetic. Um, so how do you work with your clients now? If somebody's out there thinking, I'm not so happy in hmm. their home. And speaking of that, you actually have a fantastic quiz on your website, which it, it's seriously happy seriouslyhappyhomes.com seriouslyhappyhome.com mm -hmm. and you can go online and take a free quiz and find out just how happy your home is exactly <laughs> so the the design business is really about that tool set like we were talking about so when people do come to us they already know something's not working in their house right mm -hmm. either functionally or emotionally and so our job is when we do an intake conversation it's like why are we here what are you really hiring us to do? And yeah. so for some people, it's a really practical question. Like they know what they want. Actually, most of our clients know what they want from their space, but they don't have the time or bandwidth or, or expertise to pull the recipe together. Cause that's really sure. what our job is, is a recipe that you can execute to get you where you need to be. Um, and then, so one of my, like one of my favorite intake questions is like, if you go through the stress and hassle and money of doing a remodel, how do we know it was successful? Like it's all done. The dust has settled. You're looking back. Yeah. How do we know it was successful? And those are the kinds of questions we ask to make sure that we're aiming for the right target because we can make it pretty all day, but we also have to make sure that we're hitting the, the more important goals, like pretty and what pretty and functional for whom, what's the point of this money that you're spending? But it's just practical. It's really just like, let me make the design process faster and more efficient so that you can get to the executing so that you can get to the really important part, the living in your yeah. home. <laughs> totally. um, I think that's great, though, when you walk people through that and to kind of give people the courage. It's interesting. We are getting ready to remodel our boys bathroom. And, you know, it's just it's time for a refresh. But part of that is we're, we have a, they have a tub shower set up, which is the only tub in the house. Um, and we're actually going to take that out and give them a walk-in shower, mm -hmm. which, you know, is like a real estate. What do you mean? You don't have <laughs> Taboo, a tub. Right. <laughs> um, but that it doesn't work for us. Right. Our boys are six feet tall and they don't, they don't fit in the tub anyway. And then it's got right. these, it's just, it's not working. Yeah. Um, really what they need is just a shower they can walk into. It's more functional for it's them. It's such a nightmare for us tall people. I know. <laughs> I get it. Totally well, get especially, it. you know, you gotta, <laughs> anyway, you gotta get over the tub and duck underneath the rail uh -huh. for the door. Yeah. I and think then the shower head's never high enough anyway. Exactly. Uh-huh. Keep it going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My daily. We're going to remodel it based on what we need so that we have a happy house, not maybe the house that even me as a realtor would say, Hey, you really should have a bathtub. We're like, no, right. actually we kind of don't, nobody's taking baths in our house. Well, and it's, you know, societally too, I can't tell you how many people are changing to walk in showers for all the reasons you just talked about, but also accessibility as you age in place. And the fact that people are so busy that the bath takers take baths and new yeah. moms need a bathtub for their small children, right? Everybody else that's actually a lot of wasted real estate for a lot of people. And since that's so pervasive, I'm very curious 10 years from now to see if the rules of real estate are really the same when people are looking for a full bath or if a three quarter bath will sort of become more standard than it has been in the past. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see for mm -hmm. sure. We're going to blaze the trail. I'll let you know what happens in 20 years <laughs> when we sell our house. <laughs> I will be curious to hear. <laughs> 
What are some of the other ways that you work with your clients? Because you kind of have a, you know, varying degrees of working with people kind of based on what they need. Yeah. What so, they're with is for taking things on. Um, the first thing that's important for your listeners to know, since you are the 425 show, is that yeah. we are limited in our 425 scope. So we definitely work the, the Kirkland corridor, mm-hmm. but we know traffic is real. Um, because traffic is real, we do offer virtual design services as well. But the real difference in our two main services is we help people who just need to pick our brain because not everybody needs a full on fully scoped design. Right. Right. So we can come either by Zoom or in person, depending on your geography, and just answer all the design questions you have in a quick action session, because a lot of people, that's all they need. And then the other people need a full design plan. And that is a scoped. We do everything flat fee. I hate sending surprise bills. I hate getting surprise bills. Everything is flat fee. And those are scoped out projects that say, okay, you're asking me to do a kitchen and bath design. And within that, we can either work collaboratively so that our clients are literally there talking through the layout process, talking through the tile choosing process, or we can do it more on a curated way where we take your ideas and then we present you three options you just want to pick and be done with it so everybody's a little different and we try to accommodate those different ways of wanting to be involved in the different levels of being involved and then of course there's the book so if you're trying to dig into the psychology of design that's what the book is for that's mm-hmm. if you're trying to figure out why am i not happy with my house go to the book first then come to us for the practical application tools I love it. What are some of the, what are some of the key things that you see with people when they're frustrated with their space? It's not working for them. Are there kind of some themes or that seem to show up? Yeah, but there's a lot of them. So I'm like, like categorizing <laughs> them in my head real quick. Um, you know, storage is a big one. Yeah. How do I store stuff? Where should I store stuff? What should I keep? What should I get rid of? And we're not organizers, but it is definitely an important part of the interior design conversation. Mm-hmm. because people will say to me like, um, you know, how, what, what kind of storage should I put in my closet? And I'm like, well, well what are you trying to store? Because the answer is really going to be dependent. But right. what I see the stumbling block is with storage and with other things is people get these shoulds in their head. They have these shoulds about what their entry should look like or what their mother-in-law thinks their home should look like or what they grew up thinking a bedroom, how it should operate, or how a dining room should operate or how a kitchen should operate. And that those shoulds are not always aligned with the reality. Like you were saying with your tub versus a shower, the mm-hmm. reality of what we need from our home. So shoulds are a big stumbling block. And then also our wishes, you know, when you're on Instagram, you're on Pinterest and you see all these gorgeous photos or you walk into a beautifully staged home and you're like, yes, I would like to throw dinner parties for 16 people every Saturday. Okay. Maybe you would like to. But is that consistent with your actual lifestyle? And it's really important that when I'm, especially on our quick action sessions, because it's just me really giving consultant advice, mm-hmm. I got to check in and be like, but does, does, the, does the idea of having shoe cubbies that are only this big really work with your family? Or does that mean you, mom, are now going to be daily putting the, filing those shoes away because nobody else in your family is going to do it, right? Like we <laughs> don't need to add to your to-do that. list. Yeah. <laughs> that's the truth. Nobody else does it. <laughs> no. And some, some of my clients are like, oh yeah, I'm totally fine cleaning it up. I just need a place to put it. And others are like, no, you're right. I need a thing where I can train my five-year-old to do it themselves. Right. So it's about checking in with the habits of your family and making sure that your shoulds and your wishes are aligned with your reality. <laughs> Excellent advice. 
<laughs> on so many levels. <laughs> yeah, it goes way beyond design. That's like a life yeah. advice. <laughs> a wise one. Um, so I'm wondering too, and I think we're probably just starting to see this, but um, you know, because now we're like I said, we're all of our spaces are multi-purpose. The kitchen is also your office. It might also be your classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've all you know, at least in newer construction, tended now towards these kind of big communal spaces, which are wonderful. And I don't necessarily think we're going away from that, Mm-mm. but we are, I do think there might be some need, like even now there's some, sometimes you just need to have a quiet space. So you could do a zoom call or, mm-hmm. you know, um, figure out how to make your space work in different, different yeah. moments of your day. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if you've kind of run into that. Definitely. Um, Both in terms of interviews like this, we're talking about it a lot, trying to give people ways to think differently about their home. I I was sharing uh, the other day that my father, this is way back, you know, 30, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, um, when he was getting his master's degree, he did the whole thing from under that little closet that's under the stairs. He, and it was a narrow, long closet. He put a desk, built-in desk right at the end, and he would just walk in, close that door behind him, and he did his entire master's program from it. So yeah, part of it is figuring out what spaces are available to us. How can we use them differently? How can we multi-use them, um, but not get, not create other obstacles. So like, for example, you know, working from home, especially if you're having virtual meetings, you need a quiet space. You need a place where you can close the door usually. Um, So the bedroom is often a contender for that since it's sometimes the only room in a house with a door aside from the bathroom, which could be a little awkward um, and echoey. So, but you don't want to be going to sleep, looking at the daily to do's with all that work right in your face. That's not going to lead to a restful night of sleep for most people. So if you're going to have to repurpose your bedroom as a workspace, you also have to have the discipline to say, I'm going to close my laptop. I'm going to have some file boxes for the papers that I can easily start work again the next day, but I'm not going to sleep staring at work. Right. So especially when we're multi-purposing any room, we have to figure out how do we make sure both purposes are still accommodated and they're not just getting in each other's way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I fall into that as well. Um, fortunately, I work with a laptop versus like a desktop, but I noticed that, yeah, because I tend to work at the kitchen counter right mm-hmm. now because we're home, but towards the evening, I need to like close it and just go put it in like a computer bag or somewhere mm-hmm. else so that it's not always on the counter. Cause then I'm like trying to make dinner and hang out with kids and, Oh, maybe check an email. And, uh-huh. and then you fell into the email hole. <laughs> yeah. So I noticed that that's been a super helpful thing in our house as well. It's like, you know, during the day, the ki- you know, the counter is kind of workspace for one thing, but to mm-hmm. physically close down the computer and move it to a different space. So it's not hanging out there when we're, kind of into family time. And it's not just a cue for you because you need to be able to psychologically say work time, not work time, right? That's really important for our wellness and our mental health, but it's also important for our families because if you want the kids to honor when you're at work versus not at work, you need to make it very clear. Laptops open, mom's at work, laptops closed. We can talk to her all day, right? So you want to honor their um, clear boundaries, like help them help you. (laughs) Totally. I love it. If you're just tuning in today, we have Rebecca West joining us with Seriously Happy Home. You are an author. You have a phenomenal book out. 
um, that if this is a topic that interests you, you can go to her website. We'll have the links on our website as well after the show, nicolemangina.com forward slash podcast. But this has always been a hot topic for so many people. And I think it's, you know, the beauty of some of this time is we've really had a lot more time in our home. So mm-hmm. you, just, you have the opportunity to be more aware of like what's working, what's not, maybe you don't know how to make it work better, but we yeah. all definitely know what's, what's not working in our homes right now. And then it's just a matter of taking action. And so often, you know, yeah, I help people with big remodels, but mm-hmm. so often it's not the big remodels that are actually the low hanging fruit and the thing that can make a huge impact in the house that I'm living in now with my new husband. I spent a year and I mean, I wrote a book on design psychology. So, right. But still I spent a year coming home to a house and like the transition from being outside to inside made me angry for a year oh, wow. because the door, the lock on my door was such, you know, when you have to put a key in the lock and you have to kind of get it right, just in the right space in oh, order yeah. for it to turn. So every day I'd come home and he'd already be home because I worked long hours. Um, and, but he wouldn't have left the door unlocked because he's from New Jersey and you don't do that. So I'd be like, ah, oh, he didn't leave the door unlocked. I'm so mad at him. And now I have to put all my bags down because it takes two hands. I have to raise the door with the left hand and use the key with the right hand. And so by the time I'd get in the door, every single day, I was just like a little bit more keyed up instead of like, oh, I'm home. A year, a year of that is so dumb. And one day for whatever reason, I woke up and I went, you know, Rebecca, you know how to use a screwdriver. So I went to Home Depot, I got a new lock set. 20 minutes later, I've swapped the thing. And the nice part of the story is that I was so mad for so long at the door that now for what's been five, six years, I still have pleasure using the lock on my door. So that's kind of a silver lining. But the fact that I lived for so long with a lock that was so aggravating, you know, people do that with squeaky things in their house, cabinets that are a little bit not on the hinges, light bulbs Mm -hmm. that are burnt out. There are so many small things, just painting a wall, so many small things we could do to improve our happy home situation that don't require a massive remodel. Yeah. I think that's such a perfect example Um, because it is, it's like an exponential benefit for something that is almost comically frustrating, right? Right? Legitimately frustrating. (laughs) That's so small and so easy to fix. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's funny. That's a great story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you, again, you've got the book, you've got a podcast coming up. I am about to be, well, I am, I guess the host of creating your happy place, but nobody can listen yet because I have not actually put the first episode out, but it is recorded. It is edited. So for those of you who enjoy podcasts, stay tuned. And if you want to keep an eye out for it, just follow me on Instagram at be seriously happy. That's my personal feed. Uh Um, There's also the at seriously happy homes on Instagram. But if you want to keep an eye out for the podcast, I will definitely be shouting it out once I get that silly first episode on air. I love I'm it. So excited about it. We are going, we're interviewing people who have created their happy place mm-hmm. despite obstacles or despite unusual circumstances. So one of my guests, for example, lived on a boat for three years in the South Pacific. Like, wow. what does it mean to create a home when you have no land, no neighbors, you're covered in salt? You sold all your belongings. Like, what does that look like? Um, and another one of my guests is one of my colleagues and she has an, a special needs child. So mm. she creates these beautiful home environments, hers specifically, because that's very important to her, but it has to be spill and break proof. 
So, you know, how does she navigate that and how does she help other people with that navigation? Um, so that's what creating a happy place is about. It's like, no matter what the obstacle is, we can create our happy place, but sometimes we need some stories and some inspiration to help us think about how we're going to get there ourselves. I think that's great. I love your Instagram feed. I get all kinds of great inspiration from that. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm definitely somebody that benefits from that because it's hard for me to, that extra creative piece, like I can tell, I think this isn't working, but then to find the solution sometimes. And I think it's the whole, it's easier to figure out other people's solutions sometimes than it is your own. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Somebody else is really helpful. Yeah. And like, you know, obviously if people feel like it's appropriate to hire an interior designer, do it, but sometimes just have a friend come over because they'll have, they won't have the baggage that's in your head and they might be able to break you free from your obstacles without even having to hire an interior designer. Totally. We did that. I was, I was actually laughing. I had a gal a while ago, help the boys um, go through their closets, right? I had tried. It's not really my strong suit. Plus you're their no. mom. It's just not going to work out. Yeah. I tell the boys to go do it. I think they go back and they check Instagram for half an hour. And <laughs> like, Meh. So she, but she came and because she has no emotional attachment to anything in any of their closets, she just gets it all out. She's like in or yeah. out, in or out, in or out. Yep. You know, I think and whenever you're paying somebody too, you get, there's an extra motivation. You're like, I'm paying this person to be here. So I'm going to get this done. Yeah. You know, it's fabulous. Totally. And she, you know, she can just say what she thinks. She's like, this layout doesn't work. We're going to do it this way. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, exactly. So worth the time and money. And the other thing that's nice about hiring a pro versus bringing a friend over is your friend will sometimes be thinking about what they would do if it were their house. And right. it is really important to have somebody come over who's going to help you think about what you need, not what they would need. And those are very different things. There are, well, and there's huge value in the questions. The questions that you ask your clients, I know is huge. And that's just something realistically, you're probably not going to get even from a friend. It's nice to have that outside, you know, input, but yeah. um, I have found that time and money spent with designers and having people come through your home is more than worth, like exponentially yes. worth it. I've spent it myself. I, yeah. when I really get stuck on my own home, I'm too close to the problem and I have a colleague come over and I pay them money and, and then it gets done and it's amazing. Yeah. There's that too of just, and it's done all the way versus kind of the halfway. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> the last part that never quite really gets there. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today. Again, if people want to connect with you, what is the best way? We've got Rebecca West with Seriously Happy Homes on the show. That's I love making friends with people on Instagram. That's my favorite yeah. platform. So at Be Seriously Happy is me. Okay. And then you can find our design company at seriouslyhappyhomes.com. And you can find my design coaching company because I coach my colleagues as well at seriouslyhappy.com. I love it. So many great things that you've shared with us today. Again, uh, we'll have links to everything on our website after the show, nicolemangina.com forward slash podcast. Definitely encourage you to go on and take the quiz to find out how happy your home is. There were just even the questions alone were really, they were great, super thought provoking. And I got a lot out of taking the quiz and even just reading the questions. I'm so glad. Yes. So thank you, Rebecca. It's thank been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for show. having this show and have and for sharing all this wonderful information with your listeners. Absolutely. Have a great week. Take Bye care for everybody. now. See you next Tuesday.